Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. We're going to celebrate on Friday the appearance day of Lord Nityananda. So if you're not familiar, Lord Nityananda, when you're facing the altar, is the furthest left personality, the arms raised. And he's known as the very, the most, as he had the word compassionate, we can say merciful, we can say kind. And what I really mean by those words is that he is eager and willing to help us. He has extreme desire to help us. That's what I mean by merciful, compassionate, kind. And we say his appearance day because uh, he's existing eternally in the transcendent spiritual dimension. And on occasion, as Krishna does, he makes himself visible to us on this plane of existence. And so this is the anniversary of that roughly 500 years ago that he was here. And uh, I think also on, on Friday we'll discuss a lot more about him. I thought to do something a little different than usual and try to understand why he's the most merciful, compassionate, kind person who wants to help us here in this world. What it, what's the reason for it? We have examples of it in his behavior, um, but why? And so to do that, we have to look back to Krishna. Because it starts with Krishna. So, so Krishna also in Bhagavad Gita, he declares right, that he's the benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities. Suhridam sarvadehinam. Starts with Krishna. And this Suhridam, Prabhupada translates as benefactor. Other places he translates it as friend. So in Sanskrit, there's different words for different types of friendship. And so surit, a surit is somebody who's like I said, more like a benefactor, somebody who's in a superior position and, and, and helps somebody who's in a lower, more needy position. It's not a friendship between equals. So someone who is very powerful, who's, who's you know, maybe very wealthy, very influential in some ways, helps someone who is less fortunate. It's that kind of of a thing. And then Krishna says, and so that's natural, right? Krishna is, he's the supreme. He's all powerful, all knowing, you know, omnipresent. And so on, all the rest of us are tiny in comparison. But despite us being very tiny, see, Krishna says, I'm, I'm the friend, I'm the suritam, surit, suritam of all the living beings. So he says, so, so the, the, the notion of compassion, Krishna no, so that, that this is a feature of the Supreme Lord. That he's even concerned with our tiny entities. Hmm? Concerned about us. Hmm? Let's go on a little bit. And then, and there's a reason behind it that Krishna also gives in, in Bhagavad Gita. He says, the, the, the living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmental parts, angsha. And so it, it means, right, that, that we are not just creations, but in some ways he sees us as a portion of himself. Angsha means a little portion. And so there's a connection. 
ontological connection, <laughs> right? That, that, that he sees us, he, in some ways he identifies us as being eternally connected with him. That's just baked in. And so therefore it's everybody. Right? It's not just the good people, not just the average people, it's even the bad people. All living beings. He sees that connection and he wishes them well and will help them under conditions. That's Krishna's way he sees it. So all of us, just by virtue of our existence, has the concern of Krishna. It's not that he's the supreme and we have to prove ourselves in so many ways. That's a different thing. But just by existing, Krishna cares for us. But Krishna reveals something more um, in, uh, if we look at the, the uh, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam and, and, his, and in, his, uh, in his more uh, uh, intimate Leela, here this is a quote from, that Srila Prabhupada commented on, on uh, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, 5th Canto, 18th chapter, text 23. It says, Here Krishna plainly says that his devotees are more dear to him than Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, Lord Sankarshan, the original cause of creation, the goddess of fortune, or even his own self. So now we're talking about a subset of, of souls, right? of, of those who are his devotees. So Krishna has the capacity of a much deeper connection with souls than just being a surat. Right? Because Krishna has this extreme quality of gratitude. Now, if somebody is very powerful, very prominent, very influential in regular human society, there's also a tendency to have pretty strong egotism. And they will figure that whatever you do for them is obligatory and never enough. This is a tendency. You have a lot of, a lot of pe little tyrannical sorts of people that run around. It's, it's something that tends to come with power. And they say, right, Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It doesn't happen with Krishna. And Srila Prabhupada explains that. He gives a little simple explanation. He gives different variations on it. But he, he says that, that when a child gives a gift to the parent, even if the gift isn't something at all, the parents will be touched deeply by that gift. And so we can't do anything for Krishna who is all-powerful. None of us can. He doesn't require anything. He, whatever we do for him, he could do better himself. But because we acknowledged him, he accepts even, Prabhupada says, he, just like the Bhagavad Gita says, he's a fruit, flower, right? <laughs> a leaf. You know. He'll accept even small things. And he will be grateful. And when the desire to please him is strong, his gratitude magnifies. So even if we, it's even if we give him something, and we just want something from him, right? Sometimes people do that. They'll treat us nicely because they want something out of us, and we don't think that's such a great thing, unless it's a really great thing they gave us, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe then we're okay. <laughs> you know? Depending on what we're supposed to give back, I guess. Those, those, you, considering those two things, right? 
what we now owe them and how good a thing they bribed us with. But in general, we don't consider that to be a great thing. You know, oh, they just want—they don't care about me. They just want something from me. So if it's a good deal, it's okay. Yeah, you know, be all right with that. But Krishna, he doesn't need anything. So whatever we give him, it can't be a great deal. So even if he knows that we just want something from him, even then, he's touched. At least we thought of him. <laughs> we didn't go to somebody else. We went to him. And then he's grateful. But what to speak when, when somebody is really interested in Krishna, is re- has gratitude towards Krishna. Okay, Krishna is doing so much for us all the time. Krishna mentions this in the 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He says, he says, I'm the fire that digests your food. I'm the sun and the moon that allow you to have crops. He says, I keep the earth in its orbit. Or some, some acharyas say that it keeps the earth from crumbling under our feet. It allows us even to remember who we are. He says he's in the heart, guiding us all the time. Even without our asking. So if we have some gratitude towards Krishna and we want to reciprocate with him, then he, his gratitude becomes greater. Even to this point. That those devotees are dearer to him than his own self. So this is powerful. This is a famous, he, the, the very greatest devotees of all are the gopis of Vrindavan and Krishna tells them like that. I'm not able to repay my debt for your spotless service, even within a lifetime of Brahma. And then uh, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Lord Chaitanya says to his mother, he's speaking to his mother, I cannot repay this debt even in millions of births. So Krishna feels indebted. He not only feels gratitude, but he feels a deep indebtedness to those who want to please him out of gratitude in their hearts. Can you imagine it? So there's this powerful appreciation for us little souls if we're related in, in, in the proper way. So all souls, right, already he, he has concern for all of them and for those who are deeply, deeply connected, it goes to this level. In fact, I think there's one further thing here. Yeah. In other words, Lord Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees. He feels as though he's owned by them. He's wholly theirs. That's a powerful statement. Is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees. This is gratitude. This is love. Let's go on. Now, Prabhupada mentions, and there's a famous uh, arrival address when he went visited Atlanta, the Atlanta temple, where he made this distinction. This is what we're starting with Krishna and we're moving now to Lord Chaitanya, who's right next to Lord Nityananda, his brother, to understand how, we're getting to the point how Lord Nityananda can be even more merciful than, than Lord Chaitanya, who's even more merciful than Krishna. So, Prabhupada said he, that in, in the Atlanta temple they had deities of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. 
And he met, mentioned that. He said, I see you have deities of Gornatai here. And he says, you know, although Krishna is very kind, he, he wants you, he says, to surrender first. To, to move from being, ha having him have concern for you, a suradam, a surit, a well-wishing friend, and to kick it up into the higher levels of gratitude, we have to express our willingness to Krishna first. It's fair. It doesn't matter who we are, what we've done. It's an open invitation. But we have to take that first step. Krishna respects our free will. He presents himself. He, you know, he, we can realize what we owe him. It's very clear. But we have to make the first move, and he's right there for us. So it's fair. It's really fair, more than fair. doesn't matter who, what, where. But, he says, that Lord Chaitanya, he doesn't require. He takes the first step. So I'm just gonna, we're going to read a few verses from the Chaitanya Charitamrita that will explain, begin to explain why. Why he's more proactive than Lord Krishna. So it says here, this is, they're not, I don't have all the verses because we don't have time, but it's some of the meaningful ones here. Lord Krishna enjoys his transcendental pastimes as long as he wishes. So Krishna also appears in this plane of existence sometimes, although he's eternally in the transcendental spiritual plane, as long as he wishes. And then he disappears. After disappearing, however, he thinks thus. For a long time I have not bestowed unalloyed loving service to me upon the inhabitants of the world. Without such loving attachment, the existence of the material world is useless. I shall personally inaugurate the religion of the age, Nama Sankirtan, the congregational chanting of the holy name, which you all just did. I shall make the world dance in ecstasy, realizing the four mellows of loving devotional service. And then he says, I shall accept the role of a devotee. And I shall teach devotional service by practicing it, practicing it myself. So this is the, the part that's important to this discussion. He says, unless one practices devotional service himself, he cannot teach it to others. This conclusion is indeed confirmed throughout the Gita and Bhagavatam. And then he says, therefore, in the company of my devotees, I shall appear on earth and perform various colorful pastimes, and thinking thus, the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, himself descended at Nadia early in the age of Kali. So this is Lord Chaitanya. And so he's Krishna, taking the mood of a devotee of Krishna. Okay. Yes, but on, on the, you can, well, once you stand up, you can see it. Some, the, the second panel from the, from the left on that side, you see Lord Chaitanya revealing himself to Ramananda Roy as a, a combination of Radha and Krishna. So he's Krishna, but he has the mood of devotion that Radharani has. There's, he also had personal reasons for wanting to do that, but, but here he said, I, I want to teach this devotional service, this bhakti, this love of God, and I'm going to do it by being one myself and showing you the way. Krishna revealed himself previously, and not so many people got it. Krishna revealed this cosmic secret of this deep, intimate love where he becomes the property, as Prabhupada says, of his devotees. And the devotees are completely devoted to Krishna. This is a, a, a cosmic secret. It's Krishna's 
essence. But mo it went over most people's heads. So he said, I'm going to show you how to do it. And so he comes. And then because of that, see this is where Krishna says in the Gita, abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reaction. Do not fear. So instead of asking us to make the first, requiring us to make the first move, because of his devotion to Krishna, he becomes proactive. And why? Well, also here, this is... Uh, and okay, why doesn't... Because, because here's the question here. Why does, does Lord Chaitanya, in the form, in the, Krishna in the form of Lord Chaitanya, deal with anyone and everyone, right? Krishna had these, has this two-tiered situation. Surat, to all living beings, property of those dear devotees, and in between, depending on the level of devotion. Right? But Lord Chaitanya is going to deal with everybody, even before they're devotees. If we say that, right, he's, that he, people haven't approached him yet, if he's dealing with people that haven't approached him yet, it means they're not devotees, at least showing their devotion at this point. They haven't taken that first step. So they should just remain suited. Right? They should just have the, the facility of suited. But here it says that it is the position, it is the living entity's constitutional position to be an eternal servant of Krishna. And so you have to understand that Krishna sees past, present, and future. It says, Tri Kalagya. And so even if somebody is not actively a servant, he either sees that they were a servant in the past, or he sees their capacity in the present. He knows what their essence is. That you may not be feeling any concern for me now, but that's that's who you are. You see? What you're doing now is superficial and temporary. And so he can have that same appreciation. He doesn't worry just about the present. He can see the future, what you can be. Right? When you see if you see great potential in somebody, don't you even you don't, don't we, even don't we see them differently then? Somebody may be, oh, you know. But wow, they have such great potential. We take a greater interest. So he can see the potential. And then, this is, this is important, that, that makes the difference between God and the devotee of God in the way that they look at the, the souls. This is Prabhupada says, he says, but the devotees of the Lord are more kind than the Lord because they understand the purpose of the Lord. So this is a key point. That Krishna, he wants everybody to be connected with him. He already has concern for them. He knows that's the best thing for them. It's not a personal need for him. He's fine. But it's a beautiful thing. And the more people connected with him, the more beautiful it is the more beautiful it is. And so Krishna wants that. That's why, he's, that's why the Bhagavad Gita is there. That's why he's giving that invitation. Just surrender to me. We're good. You just show some interest in me. And I'm there for you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've been, what you've done. I'm there for you. Just take that first step. So for him, he's respecting our freedom. Because a relationship that's made compulsory 
isn't genuine. He commands us to be in connection with me, even if it's a loving relationship. It's not real. So he respects our freedom, but he's reaching his hand out to us. The devote, and so therefore, that's why there's that differentiation for Krishna between those who are just the, regu the regular jivas who, for whom he's a well-wisher and those who he feels a deep connection for. He respects that free will. But the devotees of Krishna, and Lord Chaitanya was acting as that, he was both Krishna and acting as a devotee of Krishna. He understood the real desire of Krishna. That as a well-wisher, right, there's nothing that can be better than to have the souls be connected with Krishna. You know, Krishna, he can have any world he wants. He's not a part of the world. The world is a part of him. He can do anything and have anything and be anything. And what he has chosen to do with his life is to have this kind of relationship with his devotees. That's how he spends his existence. He's dedicated his life to that. That's got to be something good. Somebody who has everything is going to have something good. And he wants us to participate in that. We're invited to participate in that. What could be better if we want to be part of the, th of the thing that causes the Lord the greatest happiness? And that comes in that way that we will feel indebted to him and want to please him and he will feel indebted to us and we want to please us. This is love. When you have only concern for the other. We're used to a, a, a dimension here where we have selfish desires. And so the love that we have here on this plane is mixed with our desires, our personal desires. So the love can't fully manifest. It's good still, but it just can't go. So if the other is so dear that all you can do is think about how to please the other, and the other can only think how to please you. According to Krishna, who knows everything, that's the best possible thing that can possibly attain, uh, obtain. So the devotees of Krishna know this. And so they want to try to persuade us. <laughs> they know what's available. And they want then to not just wait. And this kind of broadcast, you know, Krishna broadcasts, he appears, he says, here I am, this is what it looks like. And here's Bhagavad Gita to give you some background. But the devotees wanting to please Krishna, feeling completely a indebted to Krishna and seeing people see, as dear to Krishna will want to intervene and help. Say, come on, please. Just try it. Krishna says, I'm here if you want. No problem. But no, 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 come on. You just don't understand. Just try it. So, and this, this, is, this is also how Prabhupada explained um, how, uh, how come another reason why the devotees would be so eager to, uh, uh, to help others. So it is very natural, he says, Prabhupada says, just like one gentleman, he has got a little child 
And if you try to please that little child, that gentleman automatically becomes pleased. You can please the child with two cent worth lozenges. And if the child is laughing and very pleased, his father immediately becomes pleased. So if you are a devotee of Krishna, feeling intense gratitude towards Krishna, and you know what can you do for Krishna? What are the things you can do? Because we're all so small. So he says, just like if some, even if somebody is very important and you don't have means to do anything directly for them, you do something for their child, someone who's dear to them. They will be so pleased. So it's natural for them, the devotees, to think, here are all of these souls, so dear to Krishna. He wants them all to come to him, to join him in this beautiful, eternal adventure of love. But yeah, they're resisting. But if I can do something for them to bring them closer to Krishna, he will be so happy. So that's that's a motivation for them. And here in the Chaitanya Charitamrita is the Lord Chaitanya is the same Lord Krishna, and Lord Nityananda is Lord Balaram. Lord Nityananda fulfills all of the desire, all of Lord Chaitanya's desires. So here now we're finally coming. The Lord, Ch- Lord Nityananda. We already had, we already saw how Krishna was merciful. We saw, we can come to the end of our presentation there. And uh, we saw how merciful Krishna is, why Lord Chaitanya is even more merciful than Krishna. But at the end of that one, it said, right, it said that Lord Nityananda fulfills all of Chaitanya's desires. So Lord Nityananda has devotion towards Lord Chaitanya. Chaitanya has devotion towards Krishna and therefore his kindness, mercy and compassion are magnified by that devotion. But Lord Nityananda has, has devotion for Lord Chaitanya who already has magnified compassion, mercy, kindness and desire to help. So what does that do? takes it to a whole new level. He sees how Lord Chaitanya, how intensely he's desiring for the welfare of everybody. And in order to please him, that he wants to take it even farther because he knows again the desires of Lord Chaitanya. So when devotees like Lord Nityananda and those who follow after him, they see other living, other living beings, other souls. They see them as beings that are incredibly dear to the Lord. They don't just see them as... What says that the yogis are able to see everybody with equality. We can see that we're all these eternal souls and we can feel connected in that way. This is in the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. At the... Yogi, he can see, by comparison with his own self, he can see everybody equal. This is, this is something that happens quite a bit in, in Bhagavad Gita, this equal vision. This equal vision that happens. But for the devotees, it's more than just, yes, we're all connected, we're all brothers and sisters. But it's that, no, you are somebody who's dear to the Lord. In his heart, he wants to be connected with you. He knows that you have a connection. 
And he knows that your welfare isn't served by being away from it. And yes, you still have to, you still have to express your willingness because you have freedom. But desperately I want to somehow help you. His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami, his, in one of his book is called The Surrender, the Surrender the Key to Eternal Life. He mentions how somebody who's not very compassionate, he says they have envy, they may not want to help other people on the spiritual path because well, somebody might, they might make somebody who's better than them or there might be some, you know, they, they like to be amongst the few. It makes them feel more exclusive. And he said, somebody with just a little bit of this egotism or envy, he said, they may help others even to exceed themselves, which is pretty good. But he said, there's still something missing. Because they're still thinking of themselves as a benefactor. I'm doing something for this other person. I'm a good person. I'm being merciful, compassionate, and such. But he said, somebody without envy, he says, they will go and they will go underneath somebody else and push them up, he says, even at the risk of their own position. And the way I understand it is that when somebody is deeply grateful to Krishna, and especially in a situation with Lord Nityananda where he's grateful for one who is grateful, he knows how intently Lord Chaitanya wants us to be able to be connected with Krishna and to grow if we are already connected. He knows how urgently he wants it. So when he sees us, he doesn't think, oh, I'm, going to, I'm good and I'm going to do something for them. He thinks they are so valuable. If some way or other I can do something for them, it's my privilege. He not only can see the potential of them as being servants, but he knows how Krishna, especially Lord Chaitanya, wants to help them. He knows how much they mean to him. So Lord Nityananda, he is the most eager to help us. Because he's taken that, the, the compassion that Lord Chaitanya multiplied from Krishna, and now he's multiplied it by his devotion to Lord Chaitanya. And he's, his thought of pleasing the Lord doesn't allow him to think of himself. See, when you're thinking that I'm, doing, I'm a kind of person and therefore I'm doing this, you're still paying attention to yourself. So Lord Nityananda doesn't have that. And so he says he approaches everybody, even the ones that don't seem like they have any hope. Because he knows what the Lord really desires. So there's no person, there's no form of the Lord that is as eager, has a burning desire to help us actually. We can go up and we can pray, but he's, he's chasing us actually all the time. He wants us. He wants to help. There's nobody, no form of the Lord that has that level of compassion and kindness, that desire to help us to bring us closer to Krishna, to awaken our potential. So, thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
if there's any comments or questions or complaints. <laughs> Very beautiful lecture. Mm -hmm. um, quick question. So yesterday, I went for book distribution, and I approached this lady, and she said, no, thank you. I believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. I said, what a coincidence. We believe in Christ, Krista, Krishna, Allah, Jehovah. And we are, these books talk about perfection of yoga, on how to be a better Christian, better Muslim, better Hindu. And she said, I only believe in the Christ part. Everything else, you guys are demons. Mm, mm, mm. So I said, okay, Hare Krishna. Mm -hmm. And uh, where? so I approached other people. So she followed me. She said, do not buy any books from him. Mm. He's a, they, they all are demons. Mm. And you'll also be a demon if you get books from him. Mm. You'll be contaminated. <laughs> <laughs> so Usually they say they're from the devil, you know. Yes. So in that kind of circumstance, I just said mm, that, well, you look like a very exalted soul. I pay my obeisances to you, and Hare Krishna, and please let me do my service. But sometimes it's really challenging mm -hmm. to be compassionate in that. Mm -hmm. So how do you show compassion? Like you were talking about compassion for Nityananda Prabhu. Mm -hmm. And how do you show compassion when, you come, occur, uh, when this kind of occurrence happens when you go for book distribution? Well, you did. You did well. I thought, right? You, you said Hare Krishna to, to her. You you showed some concern for her. You didn't make her an enemy, right? And you know, what can we do sometimes? You know, this is this is fanaticism. You know, and oftentimes fanaticism comes from a lack of faith, and so you have to prove your faith to your, you know to yourself, and then, and then you want to be better than others for that reason. You know? and so. It seems like you, you know you you remain kind. And, mm -hmm. But I think you did nicely. <laughs> you did a good job. And she left, and she was happy, and she did. She didn't follow you around anymore. Well, perfect. You did uh, I mean, Palakavu tells tells you know, stories about that. Who who was the who was the person who you thought was hostile for so long? Why don't you tell that story? That was beautiful. The same location, downtown Silver Spring, there was this gentleman who looks like he could be a U.S. congressman or senator. You know, handsome, good-looking, well-dressed. And every time he sees us, he'll come up and he'll yell, you know, just very nasty things in each devotee's face. And so this one day, um, just had filmed a Hari Nam and I was posting it on Facebook, and I look up and it's my turn and he's sitting right in front of me. So I catch him off guard. I go, oh, where have you been? I haven't seen you in so long. Are you okay? And he was totally baffled and he walked away. And about 15 minutes later he came back and he apologized. And he said, I don't hate you guys. It's just you're so loud. <laughs> <laughs> of course, about a month later he was hating us. <laughs> Works for a while. <laughs> I mean, for the, I mean, it's only this Bhakti Tirtha Swami, he says, you know, really every interaction is either an expression of love or a call for love. So when you showed him some human concern, it at least temporarily disarmed him. You know, a lot of people also are, are lonely, you know, they, and so they, they act out to get attention. You know? I, th I think the challenge for everyone, and I'm not leading this group at all, but we've all had our journeys, and 
along the journeys you're going to encounter positive thinking people, you're going to encounter mostly neutral thinking people, but you are going to encounter negative people. And the hard part, and I think and I've struggled with this the last couple years, is the more positive that I feel I'm becoming and transcending, I have more problems with the negative side. It seems to attract me, or I am attracting it, or I'm attracted to it. But the question is, how do you deal with it? And ultimately, you're in control of that. Whether it's letting it go, or walking away faster, or knowing that you're always going to run across that, and that unfortunately is the price we have to pay for openness. And you move on. That's my take. When when we're you know exposed to negativity like that, we have to notice whether we're taking it personally, and if that's where the painfulness is, because that's uh, that that shows a weakness in us. So. By, by you saying that you gave her respect. Because what happens is that, is that we, we, we tend to send a real negative message back. Oh, now, you know. And that makes them more antagonistic. But people are just looking more than anything else for a human connection. And many, many, many times when there's negativity, it's because they don't have enough people that, that care about them. And even if you, even if you, you know, aren't going to do the thing they want, but you can treat them with some human kindness. And that can only happen if you're not taking it so personally. If their negativity isn't feeling like it's you know, causing you not to have your existence be justified, then you have to attack back. You just have to. There's no way around it. Because, you know, so if you can feel and understand that that negativity is in them and that they're feeling pain, that's what's causing that, and not take it so personally, and not be so caught up in our own egos. It comes a little easier. But those are, this is the, this is, this is known even in the, in, the, uh, in, in the scriptures, that dealing with insults is one of the most difficult things to, to overcome. On that note, this person also has been institutionalized, and she's been thrown out of her own home, because Lakshmi Vaughn is very compassionate, and he's, actually spent a lot of time over the years talking to her. So, you know, besides being a fanatic, she also has, you know, other issues that she's dealing with every day. Yeah, so you can, so it's, you have to understand where she's coming from a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Prabhu, thank you very much for that wonderful class. Um, I think one thing that I, that we see in Bhagavad Gita, is that Arjuna says out of compassion for his family, he wants to walk away. Mm. But Krishna says, no, stand and fight, perform mm. your duty. Mm. So can you discuss that in terms of compassion? Yeah, Compassion means, you know, to, to, to show compassion, you have to know what is really for the benefit of the other. And so in, in Arjuna's case, his compassion... Was, it was two things. It was somewhat misplaced, and it was also overblown. So it was, Prabhupada says that because he was concerned about you know, the, the, the welfare of not only his side, but also the other side, his relatives, he said he was showing the heart of a devotee, because he cared about others. But his compassion was so great that it was keeping him from doing his dharma. And dharma means 
and of course it was Krishna's personal desire the battle take place, that dharma means that you're guaranteed of doing the best thing for everybody. See, dharma is set up by the Lord. So well, Krishna had, had, had a couple of things going on in the battle of Kurukshetra. First of all, he wanted to have a saintly person on the throne, Yudhisthira. Duryodhan, he was a selfish person and even willing to kill his family. Like Arjuna says, their heart, his heart overcome by greed, you know, was, was try, trying to even kill his family. What kind of a ruler could he be? How would that be good for anybody in the world? So he, Krishna wanted to have Yudhisthira there, who would be a good king. The other thing was that because of Krishna's presence on the battlefield, everybody who died was saved. It was, it was, a, it was a beautiful death, actually. So it was a festival of liberation going on, and it was, it was going to produce a wonderful effect. And so, but Arjuna, his compassion overpowered his brain, his intelligence. And so he, he wanted to think, let me, let me save them by not fighting. And Krishna showed later, he says, that by my will it's going to happen. You can be there or not, it's going to happen. Because that's what's, because he said, I've already killed them <laughs> in my future of time. So the compassion was, he didn't understand what their real benefit was completely. He just wanted to keep them alive. And also it was out of proportion. Is that okay? Just one comment, uh, going back to the question of how to deal with the negativity. Mm. Um, we are taught or told that if you have a negative and if you want to uh, stop that negativity, we have to come out with the positive. Mm. Meaning, uh, at that time we can pray the Lord that please give Sadbuddhi or give him the wisdom to understand what everybody is about and uh, send the energy of positivity and loving kindness that may the Lord help this soul or exalted soul or something of that nature. That's what, does that make sense? That's nice. Thank you. Yeah, just wanted to say thank you for uh, for the uh, lecture. Really appreciated it. Uh, so I've watched a. Uh, there's a lot of devotees that are on YouTube and uh, things like that that are uh, kind of pulling a, away from ISKCON because of the concern that with certain uh, certain devotees that take up the initiation. Uh, kind of get puffed up and they don't actually follow, uh, they're, they're doing it for their own material gratification, certain things like that. So my question is, as like somebody who's kind of neophyte devotee trying to get more active in the, in the movement, how do you distinguish those that are taking, uh, taking association with Prabhupada sincerely and those that might be doing it for like alternative motives? Well, then the first thing you want to do right, is, is to get into the practice yourself. So you can understand a little bit more about what devotion means, and then it's it is it's it's, it's really how much how much compassion do you see, how much desire to serve do you see, right? There, there's there's egotism and then there, and there's and there's service, 
And so the 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 main thing you can see, you can you can begin to tell if it's about me or if it's about my service, if it's about you. And you can be you can begin to feel that. You know? You can feel our people doing what they're doing for self aggrandizement and to be worshipped, right? We have egos and so when people begin to to give us some regard, that can feed those egos. And that's a that's a real powerful stumbling block that everybody has. And so but you can tell by you know associating with that person, listening to that person, watching that person, you can begin to tell whether it's about them or it's about their their service to to Krishna. And it really shows by how much they care about others. That's really what it is. Where we, we, we see that, that, that for the devotees, they see value in others. And they don't see so much, they, they don't worry about who they are. Okay? Because they're worried about trying to please the Lord. And, they, and so, so instead of seeing myself as a big deal, right? I see others as a big deal. And so do you feel that kind of connection? So I think this is, you know, this this is. I mean, you, you can you can look at whether they're, you know, having fidelity to the tradition. That's also important. But just as a personal quality, how do they treat others? Are they concerned about themselves? or Are they concerned about others? Somebody who's strongly connected, the more advanced somebody is in devotional service, the more they care about others. Is it okay? There's nobody in this room that's not part of a material economic enterprise, even our teacher, because we all have to be freed up to do what we do best. And we all have to eat, we all have to live, we all have to thrive, we all have to gain knowledge, because we can be better off not only for ourselves or for everyone else. So regardless of our, we all are servants in that regard. We're all in the service business. In this case, we're serving our souls, our spirituality, but at the same time, we have to take care of all the temporal things. So if we have teachers and religious leaders, then we need to support them so we're part of an economic enterprise. Our teachers are giving us emotional, spiritual fuel, and we're thanking them for their work. So we're all part of that system. So in terms of the, the gentleman who said uh, the YouTubers are showing that they're really personal gain and you question their loyalty and their gratitude and everything else, that's a proper human response and we all have it. So how much is too much is the old adage. That's a personal question. But as long as we're on the same path of enlightenment, and for the betterment of everyone, I think we all succeed. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu.